Welcome to A Different Way of Traveling. This is a podcast where we discuss travel for persons with disabilities and special needs in South Africa and beyond with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to episode number 50 of A Different Way of Traveling, a podcast on accessible travel brought to you by Accessible South Africa. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Before we get into today's interview, I have a request. It would really help us if you could hop onto iTunes and rate and review the podcast. It helps other people to find out what we're doing. Okay, let's step into that interview and talk to Nick and Nikki Smith. On a different way of traveling, we're chatting to Nick and Nikki Smith. Now, they're not the first married couple that we've had on the podcast, but they are the most recently married couple. Nick and Nikki, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great to have you with us. And you've got a fascinating story to share with us today about, well, maybe we should take a step back and just start off with asking you to introduce yourselves and just tell us a little bit of your story. Okay, well, um, I'm used to uh, letting ladies go first, but between Nikki and myself, I'm the extrovert, so I'll step forward. Um, so I am uh, Nick Smith. I am a, um, an entrepreneur. I'm a teacher uh, and a public speaker, um, and I'm forging my way forward in the disability space. Um, I also... Um, co-run a company called Smurgos. And what that aims to do is break down the barriers between those with and those without disabilities. Um, and in breaking down barriers, we hope to also build bridges. Um, and so I'm doing that. And uh, linked to that is disability advocacy. And what we do in, in that space is go into corporate environments and help them uh, become more um, disabled-friendly, uh, and also just aware and also help them integrate people with disabilities into their staff complement. That's me in a nutshell. Great work, so very cool. important work. Okay, now, Nikki, from your side, tell us about yourself. <laughs> so I'm a little less formal than Nick. I, in my head, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm wanting to do with my life, but at the moment I am very happy being a swimming coach. So I do learn to swim where I teach kiddies from about age six upwards how to swim and just help them enjoy the water, you know, and be safe around the water environment. Um, so I'm actually really enjoying that. I'm actually enjoying being with the kids and stuff. I used to think mm -hmm. I wasn't very good with the kids. And then Nick kind of said, you know, you are really good. And I can actually see I'm actually really enjoying it. And it's my niche at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then I also really love animals. So if someone asked me to house it or anything like that, absolutely adore it, especially as animals, reptiles, anything like that, I'm happy to be in there. Um. <laughs> and then I think uh, an exciting thing to mention, it's only taken you like 
six years, thanks to um, a certain institution not having their ducks in a row, yeah. is um, you're finishing your psychology my, degree. Yeah, my psychology degree. I'm finally finishing that my BA for psychology counseling. Um, I, there's a whole story behind that as well. I was supposed to do teaching, but then Nick kind of guided me and said, no, maybe not. <laughs> and my mom said you would enjoy psychology, which I do, because I actually enjoy interacting with people um, just finding out how, even if it's how their day was and, you know, they're in a good mood, bad mood, neutral mood, I enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, and then in the background, I kind of just help Nick survive and just feed him, water him, you know, <laughs> make sure he doesn't die. That's kind of my role <laughs> behind Smogos and his um, disability endeavors and all of that. <laughs> and that's me in a nutshell. Feed him and water him. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, so tell us about, you know, Monique, why are you in the disability space to the degree that you are? You know, to what degree is that something that impacts on your life? Okay, yes. Um, so thank you for that question. Um, I have cerebral palsy with hemiplegia. Um, so for those listening who know about it, cool. But for those who don't know about it, um, what it means is I have uh, damage to the right-hand side of my brain, um, which has affected the left-hand side of my body. And very importantly, this was as a result of a car accident. It wasn't a birth defect or anything like that. So I was involved in a car accident when I was six months old. Um, and so I've lived with it for 37 years. Um, and um, it's obviously played a big part in framing my reality and I call it my biggest weakness, but also my biggest strength um, because it pushes me to um, not necessarily show people that I can do anything because um, I came to this realization about five or six years ago that I don't need to prove myself to anybody. Mm -hmm. um, but um, just to be able to say, you know, if I want to do something, I do it. Um, and and, one way to do something. Yeah, and and regardless, as Nikki said, now you know, regardless of if this is the normal way of doing it, and normal in inverted commas, um, you know, I'll find a way around it. So, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I say, for example, like I've been dancing salsa for about eighteen years, and mm -hmm. when I first started dancing salsa, um, people, including my some of my family members, were saying, you know you're crazy. Like, how can you dance salsa? It's not only um, fast, but you need two hands. And I said, well, I love music and I want to do it. So I did. Um, and I've danced in shows. I've been to Cuba um, and a whole mobs, bunch. Yes. Yeah. I've been part of flash mobs and it's, it's something that's really near and dear to my heart and something that I really enjoy. And that's just one example of how I've basically said, well, you think I'm disabled and I can't do it. Um, but I do it anyway. And I think it's so important for people to understand that, there's nothing different about us or our abilities. The only thing that differs are the tools and techniques that we use. Yeah. And yet exactly. society seems to try and label us about being disabled, incapable, and almost raise their eyebrows and try and stop us doing the things that we choose to do because they think it's hard for us. It's but almost the, like that list. Oh, sorry. So a couple of years ago we were going through like Nick's memories and stuff and all of his medical reports came out and we were like it was the reports that the doctors would have given to his mom at that stage and it was 
He's got this disability now. He won't be able to contribute to society. He won't be able to walk, talk, um, get a job, have a relationship with anything. Mm. You know, he'll just basically be your problem for the rest of your life because now he's disabled. And this was a report that was done when I was about, I think, eight. Yeah, but even younger, like even younger. Like it was a early, early report. Like the, it's all, you can literally see they just did numbers and they said, no, it's not worth this child having a good life. Just put him in a home and it's not worth it. Um, and I think kind of Nick and his mom looked at this list and said, okay, you say no, we say yes. So yeah, they you've pretty much done everything opposite of what the list said you would do. And I, I, I'd like to quickly add on that. Um, obviously, me being a, a strong-willed person does have a big part of it, but or play a big role. But the people in my life and my family and, and my friends obviously played a very big part of helping me and, and supporting me in those endeavors. I mean, like when I was at school, mom you know, and I wanted to do something, my mom would say, yeah, go for it, try. Um, as opposed to, no, you know, you might not be able to Don't do it or yeah. whatever. And, and uh, you know, I did all the things that a normal kid would do at school. I may not have done them very well, but I did them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because my mom thought it was a good idea for me to experience it. Yeah. Boundaries are funny things, especially if people try to impose them on us. My, my husband says the best way to get me to do something is to tell me that I probably won't be able to do it. And yeah. the thing is, he's right. Yes, very much so. Why does that sound so familiar? <laughs> okay, right. So let's get back on track. Okay. So you guys recently got married and went on honeymoon. What made you? decide to take an epic road trip for your honeymoon and give us an overview of what that trip looked like okay so um we got married recently but we've been going on for many years and um so we'd never been on a road trip before Mm. um and when i was doing my research pre-covid you know we were i was running some of the numbers and we were saying you know for the for the amount of money that we want to spend, we could go to one place like let's say for example mm-hmm. Mauritius yeah, or something. Really fancy hotel or a really yeah. fancy place. Um and and do that one place. So it would be fly there, stay there, experience there, and go home. Uh and then we started playing around with the idea of maybe not going to one place, but going to multiple places. And then obviously you know, overseas was off the cars then because it's too expensive. So then it was like, do we fly to Durban? Do we fly to Cape Town? And do we stay there? Um, And so all these iterations we kind of bounced around with. And then uh, we we settled on a road trip because A, it was something we'd never done before. And B, it was within our budget. And it was something that we really wanted and were excited about because we thought, you know, if you fly to Cape Town and even if you uh, hire a car, you're in Cape Town and you, you're not restricted, but you would normally stick to those places in Cape you're Town. isolated. Yeah. Whereas this was like, if we travel down from Joburg to Cape Town and make the road trip the destination and not actually Cape Town the destination. And that was the thing that, um, you know, really solidified it for us is when we started like thinking about that, we were like, hold on, like how many different places could we stay? Um, and I might be jumping the gun, but Nikki, correct me if I'm wrong, but we spent, it was two weeks, right? 
Yeah, our, our whole trip was two weeks long, and I think we only got down to Cape Town on day nine. Yeah, then we spent like about a week, week and a bit getting to Cape Town. Yeah, and then, yeah, we spent like one or two nights there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so definitely the majority of our trip was actually just getting down to Cape Town. Yeah, but it was nice. It wasn't like a rush or anything like that. We just kind of took, you know, went, you know, where the wind kind of took us. We know we had destinations to get to at a certain time or day. Mm. But other than that, if we saw like a really cute little shop on the side, we're like, oh, that's cute. Let's go stop there. I think that was actually meant more to us than, you know, just taking a flight and hiring a car and just going, you know, to a place. Yeah. What, and we did have a friend. Sorry, yes? What's, what's that um, comment about life being a destination, a journey and not a destination? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, we we had a friend who helped us plan this. Uh, we did not plan this on our own. <laughs> you forget to mention this was a surprise. Yes. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this was a surprise to Nikki um, because a friend of mine, uh, well, a friend of ours, Alicia, helped us plan it um, because I knew I wanted to do a road trip because obviously I had spoken to Nikki and then uh, we decided roughly what we kind of wanted to do and then I tried to plan it and it was a lot of work. So then um, Alicia had done some planning before. So we contacted her because she had been part of a a travel agency and stuff like that. And um, she helped put all of this together. And basically we we made a stop over, I think it was like once every night almost as we traveled down or we would stay at a place for like two nights. Um, The maximum we stayed at one place was three nights. Yeah, the rest were like the majority were one night, um, and she helped us like plan the route from Joburg all the way down to Cape Town and back. And did you travel the same route back, or did you kind of triangulate it slightly and do different things on the way back? No, we definitely went. Uh, we didn't want to duplicate anything, so we did a a different route going back. Okay, that sounds like such fun. Thank you. It was it was awesome. Really awesome. Yeah, I wouldn't change a thing actually. Great. I mean, and if it was a surprise, I've, there's all sorts of questions there about how did you know what to pack and 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 stuff like that. But that's maybe too much detail for this. I think let's just keep this kind of to the the the, the more basic side. Basically, Nick would just say pack for everything. You know, active stuff, normal stuff, fancy stuff. We're just going. And I would know like either the night before where he's like, you need to wear this tomorrow because we're doing this or for the one of the things um, I had to keep my eyes closed up to the trip because he didn't want me to see any of the signs and stuff because that was a complete, a complete surprise. Um, That blew her mind. (laughs) Uh, So I think one of the things you want to talk about later is like the highlight. So that's her highlight. I'm not going to steal that from her. Um, But yeah, that, it was all a surprise and stuff. So it had everything in a file. And if we had to book anything in advance, then he would say, okay, well, we're going here tomorrow. We need to book this place. What option do you want? Yeah. But other than that, I knew nothing from one day to the next. I just went with it. <laughs> it sounds such fun. It sounds almost like reading a choose your own adventure book where you're kind of like, you can go to this or this or this. Okay. Pretty <laughs> so much. It, it sounds like a lot of research went into this and a lot of planning, Nick, and you did, you've already spoken a little bit about that, about your, um, your friend who assisted with that. How much time did you spend on that research? <laughs> uh, I think it took us a total of two months. Um, 
And uh, that was with quite a lot of intense research on Alicia's part. Mm -hmm. Um, And she would send the proposed itinerary to me and I would look over it and like speak to my brother and speak to a few other friends that had maybe traveled down there before, um, got feedback from them. And then I would say, yes, no, um, you know, we really wanted this place. Can you include that? Um, And like, for example, uh, Nikki's highlight, um, the original plan was to include it. And then the secondary plan, because we had to make a few changes, we took that out. And then I said to her on the third and final attempt, I said to her, like, we have to include that place because of all the places Nikki would like, that would blow Nikki's mind. So we have to include that place. And so we did have to tweak the roots um, a few times. Uh, and that took quite a lot of research. Mm. I mean, not even research destinations. She would research like things to do around yeah. the destination. So she would find us two or three things to do in the area. So if we got to the destination early, we could choose to go to option A or B. You know, there's restaurants in the area who to contact. Mm. So I think for that, like Alicia really went above and beyond, you know, in terms of research and stuff. Yeah. Like you would find the, so I would say you would find the destination and then she would find the other little hole in the wall stuff and other little niggly bits. Yeah. And <laughs> and on the, on the note of like, I guess planning is, um, I, I love ways. So... <laughs> I, I basically planned every day on ways, uh, knowing how long it was going to take us to travel from the place we were to the next place. And as Nikki said, so, you know, if I knew it was going to take us six hours, I knew to leave a little bit earlier in the day. But if I knew it was going to take us only an hour and a half, if we wanted to mosey on where we were, we yeah. could do so. Or if we arrived there early, knowing, you know, we could, um, we only had to check in at let's say four o'clock and we get there at like 12. There are other things we can do. Did you book much of your things like the accommodation and things like that? Did you book those ahead of time? Yeah, everything was everything was pre-booked. Um, accommodation um, was pre-booked. Most of the activities that we wanted had been pre-booked. Um, the only things that hadn't been pre-booked were maybe some meals, um, and mm-hmm. some added extras. So like Nikki said, Alicia would say, if you're in this area, you might want to check out A, B, and C. And then we didn't plan those. But in terms of um, the actual venue, I, I guess we didn't really explain that. When we stopped over at one place, um, there was usually one activity for us to do or something to visit or something that was there. Yeah. And so pre the trip, the accommodation for that day was booked and the activity they either knew about us or paid ahead or something like that. Uh, and then any extras over and above that weren't, weren't um, paid for or booked. Mm. So it gave you a structure and yet a degree of flexibility as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I mean, like, for example, we went to the cheetah farm the one day and we, we knew that that was going to take about an hour to walk around. Mm. Um, and we knew they were open from nine until three. So, you know, we could go any time on that day, but we knew we had to be there on that day. Whereabouts was that cheetah farm? Um, I think it was on the N4. Um, we had just left the Garden Root Lodge in, what was the name of the place? It wasn't Hermanos. It was, blah. Sorry, I'm just trying to remember. Give me a <laughs> second. I, 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 was, I was wondering if it was on the way down, if it was, because I... I went to a, um, a cheetah reserve 
in it was the Daniel Cheetah Project in Neisner. In Neisner, yeah, that's the place. Great. Super. Mm. Okay. So in terms of what sort of things you, you observed and as, as travelers and particularly Nick, for you being someone who works in the disability space, what were your overall feelings of the types of issues that you saw around accessibility on the trip? Um, I think that's quite a good question to ask because um, we had discussed this before, you know, me coming on to your show before we went. So I think that was quite important. So I went into that with my eyes quite wide open. Um, and, you know, something that's quite easy in inverted commas to see is whether something is wheelchair accessible or not. Um, and most of the places were accessible or wheelchair accessible to a degree. Mm. And the reason why I say to a degree is they had maybe got it half right, but half wrong. Um, like for example, the one place we stayed um, had gravel at the entrance. Yeah. And so for a wheelchair user, that would be a nightmare. Even we struggled going over it, you know, yeah. to skip that ramp. So yeah. so the gravel would be an issue. Then we got to a ramp. Then we, and obviously I could walk this whole route, but uh, I'm just playing it through as a wheelchair user. So you'd get to the ramp and then you can use the ramp uh, up until a certain point. And then the ramp down to the next level was too narrow. Um, so it was suitable for a bag luggage, bag, yeah, yeah. but not suitable for a wheelchair. And then uh, into your room, it looked like the rooms had been um, stable yards that had been converted. So the doors were super wide, which is great. Uh, the ramp was perfect. But again, you had to navigate like two other obstacles in order to get there. So yeah. that's why I say it's like half right, half wrong. Yeah, the idea was there. Um, and then you, that was quite common throughout the whole trip where, you know, one one part would be ramped and then the other part wouldn't be. Um, and then we did come across one part. Um and I can't remember the exact way this went down, but I think Alicia mentioned to pretty much every place that I was a person with a disability. And so the one lady like kind of started freaking out when we were arriving the next day because uh, this was at the um, boutique hotel in Cape Town <laughs> because um, she, she, we, so we, we were, we were, we were going to arrive and she's like, um, I, I, I noted that you're disabled, um, but we don't have an elevator. We don't have a lift and there's steep stairs. And, you know, uh, how are we going to do this? And like, we don't have a bottom floor. And, and she was like freaking out. And then we said to her, like, don't worry. I can, you know, I can go upstairs. Um, and then when we did arrive there, um, she did talk us through why um, she was so worried and also why they don't have, have ramp. Do you want to do you want to say uh no you can. um so the boutique hotel it's yeah the lady when we got there she was said she was very worried about us especially with the steps and everything um because it was a very narrow like staircase wooden staircase we had to go up um and the reason they don't have the elevator or anything like that was because they are considered a historical slash heritage site so they were not allowed to actually edit or change anything mm -hmm. in the building itself so they could do paint and everything but they could not change the structure yeah so she said they know that's one of their, you know, sore points. But she's like, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's I think also, 
in a lot of historic locations that you've got mm. certain things that you can and cannot do. Um, yeah. And, yeah. You know, and, and a lot of, yeah. certainly in the historic cities in, in Europe, that's, that's a huge issue. Yeah, and it was so sad because the rooms were actually really good. There was so much mm. space. Like, even as a wheelchair user, if you use the a cane or walker, were easy, yeah. the bathrooms were perfect. There was so much space. It was great. You know, you just had to get up the stairway of doom. Get up the stairways of doom, yeah, because <laughs> they were quite steep. I think they tried to fit in too much in like this really small, narrow space. Yeah, I think what's also cool to mention and and trying to step away from uh, wheelchair users, but um, quite a lot of people were attentive. Um, to to myself and my needs um you know if we uh we went to the adult elephant park yeah and um i think because of my limp and everything when i walked in the lady must have noticed that because when it came to me filling out a form um i held the pen and then she held the paper without me asking yeah uh, and normally i have to ask someone like you know sorry can you hold this so i can sign because if it's in the middle of the page, I can do anything. Mm -hmm. But if it's at the bottom of the page, I can't hold it and sign at the same time. If so, I'm not there, I can't cover it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so she was pretty good. And that that small interactions like that happened on a regular basis where people would either be okay with me asking for help, but or they would just say, uh, I can see you can't carry that. Can I help you? Mm -hmm. Or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's good to know that you found that there were people who were aware of that type of thing and willing to help. So I want to mm. kind of chat a little more, and we've spoken a lot about the specifics already, but what challenges did you find that you encountered on the trip? Um, for me personally, it would be like um, carrying luggage to and from the car. So yeah, the distance from the car to the actual like rooms and stuff. Yeah. So I think the hardest for us was boutique hotel and the garden route but that was just the distance wise yeah um so that was a that was quite a challenge and then sometimes getting in and out of um like the vehicles um we did a hop on hop off mm. um to a wine route tour and that they used proper game range yeah, of vehicles range ones, yeah. um and the guy would help me or offer to help me if I needed it. Uh, actually, no. So one had a step. Yes, yeah, yes, that was better. actually clever. Um, sorry, uh, I got my places mixed up. That garden, uh, the the wine tour, mm. um, he used a game ranger vehicle, but he had a step ladder with him, um, <clears throat> a small little two or three step ladder, mm. and he came and he put it down there for me um, so that it was easy for me to get onto the uh Vehicle. onto the vehicle and again i didn't have to ask uh he just brought it out for me and that made my life a whole lot easier yeah. um and then also when we were at the uh garden root game lodge um i i found a few things challenging there like um dishing up or carrying my plates nikki obviously helped me a lot of the time but if she was busy uh they were quite attentive they didn't like it wasn't a nuisance or anything. They just kind of said, you know, can we can we help you? No, no. Uh, that wasn't the garden lodge. That was the um, the last place we stayed at that lagoon place. Okay. Like buffet. Or... Yeah. Um, but then you know, you know, in in general, um, I I didn't experience too many challenges because most of the challenges that we had 
people were okay to um to help us i think what's also important is you know i am 37 i have lived with this my whole life so uh, i'm not afraid to ask for help you know had had i had this call with you probably like when i was in my 20s i might have been like it was quite hard for me but i'm quite open and honest now with my disability and i i'll say if nikki can't help me can you help me um you know so i, I didn't find too many challenges mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't, so you were trying to get in their way, which is quite nice. You actually, they're actually really willing to help you. Like the lady at Boutique Hotel, she was very willing to take the bags up and down, or she got someone to help us take it up and down, which was quite cool. So it wasn't, uh, oh my gosh, I have to help you. It was a, yeah, sure, anything that helps you, you know, like makes it easier for you so you can do your thing. So yeah. So you feel that the, the kind of level of customer service is often what what can turn a potentially difficult situation into a more I'm going to use the word accessible one but just (laughs) an easier one to navigate yes absolutely so I I would say uh, if you were going to do something like this I would definitely say um, let them know your expert and let them know your challenges ahead of time um, and also manage your own expectations and help them manage your expectations and then at the same time be open to when you arrive if you if you have let them know cool if you haven't let them know when you do arrive ask them and say like can you do this mm. don't uh, don't always expect them to no. to do it because yeah. what we also found is some people were unsure of whether they could help me because they didn't want to cross any boundaries that concern about potentially giving offense or something like that or doing the wrong thing is it's very real and you know people are aware and are concerned about that sometimes yeah and i think that's that's our responsibility as a as people with disabilities it's our responsibility to kind of open that channel of communication i know it's a tough question and i don't know if you can relate to this i've i've had times when i've been traveling um more overseas where we've booked somewhere and then when we disclosed that i am blind they said we cannot accommodate a blind person we will not and in fact refused the booking did you have any of that kind of experience um they were aware so like i mentioned when alicia first did the booking she said i was a person with a disability and um uh, I know she said that quite a few places uh, were taken aback by mentioning that, but when she said when she told them the limitations that I experienced because of my disability, they were okay with that. Mm. Um, but yeah, she did make it aware at the very beginning. I think it's very important to do that. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm glad that that was the the general response. If you didn't have that sort of um, concern and constraint that I have sometimes experienced, particularly overseas. Okay, so yeah. I've been dying to ask this question because, well, you tempted and teased us with this. Tell us about <laughs> the highlights. Nikki, please go first because I'm dying to find out. <laughs> um, so obviously it was all a surprise for me. I just knew we were going away for two weeks. I knew we were going on a road trip. Um, I didn't know where we were going or what we were doing. All I had was Nick going through the fire saying, yeah, you're going to love Wednesday. Oh my gosh, Wednesday is amazing. So... I think before I get to Wednesday's one, one of my highlights was 
we actually decided instead of, you know, just taking pictures and posting on Facebook and stuff, we actually took um, Jenga blocks and we said that wherever we stop, whoever we interact with, they need to fill in the Jenga block for us. So I would fill in, you know, the name of the place and the date. And then the person that we interacted with would send, will give a quote or a day or, you know, something or advice for marriage and stuff. Um, so everywhere we stopped, we had this little Jenga block. And I love just seeing people like say, really, are you serious? You want us to fill this in? You know, like, yes, please, you know, and especially if we spent a lot of time with them, you know, they already knew what they would say. So that was really cool. And it was quite a nice, um, you know, talking point for everyone. Um, and then getting to Wednesday, finally, um, I, as I said, I'm a huge uh, fan of animals, but my all-time favorite animal is a wolf. And Nick found in his research a wolf sanctuary on the way to Cape Town. So I had to close my ears, my eyes, everything. I couldn't do anything. Nick even turned the volume down on ways so they wouldn't say the name of the place we're going to. Um, then he kind of led me, covering my eyes, led me to the sign. He was recording me the whole time, you know, um, so I could see, he could see my reaction when I saw the sign and I just burst into tears. I loved it so much. Um, we did a tour with them, like we were in there in the enclosure with the wolves, and I was just in seventh heaven. You know, people were apologizing, they jump on you. I'm so sorry, don't panic. And I said, My guy, if 80 kilogram of wolf jumps from me and takes me out, then that is how I go. I'm happy with this. Um, and I think it was just cool that I got to actually spend time with Nick. You know, we didn't before the honeymoon and everything, we were really busy with work and stuff. So I wasn't, we weren't able to really, you know, be with each other. So it was a really cool thing just to spend time together. That's lovely. Well, and Nick, from your side, highlights. Uh, I loved everything about it. Um, you know, I can't really pick a particular highlight. I think for me, the idea that um, it was an opportunity for me to unplug because uh, I am a self-professed workaholic. <laughs> um I work about like 15 hours a day, 25 hours a day. <laughs> um, and I, I told Nikki that um, I'm not taking, uh, you know, my laptop, although I did end up taking it just in case I needed it, but, but um, yeah, I didn't use it. Um, and I checked on my phone maybe like once a day or so. Um, so it was a huge disconnect for me from my usual rush. And that's what I really loved about it. Now I feel like, um, I got to actually experience everything. Like mm. I was there and I was present and it was really cool. Yeah. You weren't like worried about work and having to go, Oh my gosh, after this, I have to rush off to a meeting or what am I missing? The world's going to blow up. But yeah. And sometimes yeah. that's important Mm, yeah, and it was a nice way for us to reconnect. Um, because you know, obviously, like you're both busy working, so you're doing you're in your own world, and Nick is in his own world. You know, we'd come home and be like, How was your day? It was great, blah blah blah, it was awesome, it was crap. You know, by the end of the week, you're kind of thinking, Did I see you this week? You know, and we live together. So this was a really nice break for us to reconnect and be like, Oh, is that what you look like? <laughs> you're like, Oh, I remember you don't like this, you know. So we had a bit of fun with that. Um <laughs> And it was really just awesome. Like we got to go back to like in the beginning, you know, it was that flirty kind of fun thing, which was awesome. But <laughs> I mean, more flirty than we usually are. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you would say that the the intentions that that you had were actually successful. That it was a a, a great success. 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, we would happily, we wouldn't change a thing. We'd happily redo the whole thing. It was yeah. amazing. And that was also the point of the Jenga blocks. Mm. Uh, it's to help us keep track of where we went. Um, and also if we would want to go back at a later stage, mm. you know, like we could, you know, five years from now, we could pick a, a random Jenga block out of the stack and go, Wherever, whatever we pick, that's where we're going again. And, you know, yeah. that's the that's the cool thing about that. Mm. It's a lovely idea. And yeah, it was Nikki's idea. I, I, <laughs> I think it's a good idea. I was like, yes, babe, good idea. Let's go with and this. then he kind of went with it. I just kind of said, yeah, we should do a road trip. And then I kind of went into the next room and then Nick went with it with Alicia. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it worked. <laughs> so if people would like to reach out to you and make contact how can they do so um so for me it would be www.smurgos.com and that's s-m-e-r-g-o-s um and then (laughs) if you want to email me it's nick at smurgos.com um and really, if you follow any of our social media, um, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, mm-hmm. um, and we are on LinkedIn. We're not on Twitter, um, but um, I am also in the next few months. My plan is at the beginning of uh, September, I'll be launching a personal brand of mine um, to help my speaker profile. And that's going to be known as The Rebel Ninja. Okay, thank you. Nick, <laughs> how can people contact you? Um, also, Facebook, you know, it would just be Nicholas Smith. Um, I know I introduced myself as Nikki, but my full name is Nicola. Um, so yeah, Nicholas Smith, or if you find Nicholas Ryan Smith, you will find me there as well. Um, also, if Nick ever gives out his number and he does not respond via phone call, it will come through to me. <laughs> then we can go that way. Um, but yeah. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, but Instagram is under Nicotini Nikki, or there's um, Nick and Nikki Smith. I've got many profiles. There's <laughs> Finding Pipette. <laughs> but yeah, it's literally, if you find me on Facebook, I'm more than happy to connect from there mm. and I can give my number out from there as well. But yeah, more than happy to help with any questions, anything like that. Even just to say, how's it come for a cup of coffee? You know? Great. Thank you so much. Okay. So final question. If someone were to be considering doing a road trip like you did and were to ask advice, what advice would you give them about what they should do, what they shouldn't do, about planning, about execution? What would you suggest? Um, Well, like I mentioned earlier, I definitely think you should disclose your disability ahead of time. Um, Mm. And with that, uh, be clear on what you can and can't do um, because uh, the people that we spoke to didn't know much about disability. So for example, if you say I have cerebral palsy in their mind, you can't go walking, you can't do stairs, you can't do anything. And then you say, okay, hold on. Um, I have cerebral palsy, but I can do this. I can't do that. Then they, that seems to calm them down. Um, so best definitely um, disclose beforehand. Yeah. And I would say for me on a, my own level is don't go to a place that you won't be able to visit again, you know, do the research, ask them, are you accessible? I have this disability, but then go to a place that you can go to again. It's that's the whole premise of our trip. You know, we're going to places that we can visit again, you know, so the ones that weren't so accessible for Nick, we probably won't really visit so fast, you know, in the future. Mm. 
Um, yeah. And then roll with it. Yeah, I think also um, with with disability taken into account, uh, definitely planning needs to go into place and and uh, pay, like booking in advance uh, mm. makes it a lot easier yeah. because um, you know they take it seriously as well because that's what we found is uh, if you want them to make like. Uh, what do you call it? Make changes or, or put things in place for you. Mm. Um, it's hard for you them to do that, and then you you don't pay, or you don't go. Um, so yeah. you, you know, saying I have a disability and I can't do this, um, and then they say, okay, cool. These are the changes we make, uh, and then can you put down a deposit? And you know, you put down a deposit, and then you check with them afterwards, and things just went a lot smoother that way. Mm. Uh, I think if you had to just like walk in and go hi, I'm here and I'm disabled. Can you help me? Um, I think you'd meet more resistance that way. Yeah. And I think just give people time and give yourself time, you know, don't book things back to back, especially if you have to take other things into consideration for yourself or a partner. Um, you know, you don't want to rush yourself and you make mistakes or you don't enjoy the process. You Mm. don't enjoy the, you know, the experience. Um, and then obviously the staff won't be so willing to help you because you're in a rush and you are, oh my gosh, this isn't ready. This is such a rush. Why isn't it working? Yeah. You know, so then give yourself and everyone just time just to, you know. And then I think the paramount and my last piece of advice is if you are going to do a road trip with someone, <laughs> make sure it's someone that you really get along with or <laughs> or someone that you really love, uh, like my awesome wife, Nikki. Oh. Um, because otherwise you're stuck with them for pretty much 24 hours. <laughs> pretty boring. <laughs> I want to say a huge word of thanks to Nick and Nikki for taking time out of their busy schedule to chat to us about their recent honeymoon. Today's travel quote comes from Debasish Mridha, who said, travel more to see more, to live more. Thanks for joining us on this episode of A Different Way of Traveling. We'll see you next time for episode 51. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za, on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa, and on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Editing by Crate Strachan using Hinderberg software. Our theme music is by Lu Chil Chow, based on a motive by Lois Stratton. Credits read by Musa Izulu. Thank you for joining us on A Different Way of Traveling. We'll see you next time. Until then, happy travels.